Okay, Alex, I think I'll take geopolitical insanity and craziness for 800. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Don't feel bad if you're having a hard time following along with the headlines that are coming out across the world. It's not easy to follow. The situation in Ukraine is very confusing for many because there's so many details that go back over hundreds of years to to even begin to understand what is happening in that nation, let alone that part of the world. We'll talk about that a little bit today. Then all the nonsense that is happening in Canada. Oh yeah, you can... Yeah, we, we've gotten rid of the emergency powers, but we're still going after the citizens of our nation. How despicable can they be? And don't don't expect the United States to stay a bastion of freedom around the world much longer if we don't begin to get our house in order. Right now, we have career bureaucrats running much of our federal government, and I'm sure a lot of state governments, and a bunch of elected buffoons in the highest offices in the land. It's a recipe for disaster here in the United States. And as I've said before, don't expect the election of 2022 to just fix everything and it'll be hockey-dory. Everybody will be happy. It'll be just a wonderful world. We'll all be singing along with that that, that uh, Louis Armstrong song, What a Wonderful World, but it's not going to. I've said it before. You are, you are wearing blinders to think you're going to fix things at an election anywhere in the world for any length of time. I've been voting for 50 years this year. And others that I know in my family, a little longer. And have we made things a whole lot better? I don't think so. We, we barely kept our head above water. The pendulum swings back and forth a little bit. But in the long run, we're still in a decline morally, spiritually, and in just about every way, even economically. A lot of people can't see it because they're not old enough to see it yet. I mean, when I was younger, I remember when I started out in my radio career in the mid-70s for a really good-paying job. Oh, I'd started out when I was in high school and, and, and trade school and college. I'd worked. But when I started working for a living, raising a family, that's pretty much my reference point of what things really cost. When I started out leaving from high school, my rent, or I should say my room that I rented in Ohio was really cheap. Uh, by the time I uh, got to my next location, I was driving a little Volkswagen, so gas was not a problem. And I was a thin little guy that could eat almost anything. And, and so I could get by on a small amount of money. But when you start taking care of a house and a family and all that goes with it, you begin to understand economics quickly. Hopefully you do. Some people never do. And so I referenced my, what I call my really understanding economics sometime in the mid-1970s. And I was coming to work, starting my, my career at a time when there was a bit of economic 
upheaval in the United States. Jerry Ford had become president, and inflation was really bad. And we had these little buttons that he wanted everybody to wear that said W-I-N, win, W-I-N, win, which stood for whip inflation now. It took a long time to whip inflation. It, it wasn't going to go away easily. We've got a situation today here in the United States where we have inflation now worse and let me let me make something very clear. The, these numbers that these talking heads on television, I don't care if you're watching Fox, I don't care who you watch. Most of these talking heads are just that, talking heads. And a lot of them have nothing inside their head to talk about. And, and let me explain why I say that. This idea that inflation is only 7.5% is ludicrous. It's insanity. It's craziness. It's a lie. Real inflation that will affect you, your family, your retirement, if that's what you're on, it's a lot higher than 7.5%. See, I don't, I don't buy a washing machine every week. I, I don't buy certain items uh, every month. I don't buy a new car every month or a used car. So there are a lot of things that factor into inflation that are not quite as bad. But there are things that I do have to expend money on each and every week. Gasoline for the car, food to eat. Those two have gone up dramatically. So it's not 7.5%. Energy cost. I can tell you that at one of the radio stations that I'm on has just recently been given a massive fuel adjustment charge to their power bill. And the power bill is already insanely high. And now because of the energy mess that we are now living in, uh, because of our federal incompetence that's called a government, we now are at the mercy of other nations for our energy needs. We're not energy independent any longer. And so, big fuel bill. In other words, to keep the electricity running on these massive shortwave transmitters. And you're probably beginning to see little shortages here and there on certain items. And like I say, I'm going to get to a lot of this geopolitical, including a, a quick Really fast education on Russia, Ukraine, and what it means to you and I, the economics, the world. And maybe, to, I know it's not easy to follow. I'm having a hard time. And I've had to do a lot of research over the past four or five days just to get a feel for the things that, well, by the time, I, when I was in high school, of course, you know, back in the Stone Age, um, all that region was still a part of the Soviet Union, so we really didn't get into the details of the various nations too much when I was in high school in social studies and history. I kind of knew the basics of World War II and then how the Soviet Union held on to much of Eastern Europe. That's about the knowledge that I had, and I think that's the knowledge that most of us have. So to understand the geopolitical relationship between the Ukraine, Ukrainian people, the various parts of U of Ukraine and its relationship to that part of Europe, 
its neighbors and to its neighbor Russia gets lost in the shuffle for most of us. So it's taken a little bit of trying to dig down deep and understand what's going on politically. And I'm going to try to share just some things that I have found. And you will just have to tie them together the best that you can to get a better understanding. But economically speaking, our country is in big trouble. Uh, For example, as many of you know, I'm working on this project uh, in rebuilding a a transmission system for one of these shortwave stations, and the project is coming along. Now, I feel very blessed. I, I really feel that God intervened back in the summer when there was the first shipping container shortages coming out of South America and other parts of the world. And how many of you remember all the container ships waiting off the shore of California, just lined up? And and thankfully, my item was coming into the East Coast, so it wasn't as bad. But shipping shortages started becoming an issue. And we started hearing the term supply chain issues, supply chain problems. And depending where you live in the United States, your shelves at your various stores and grocery stores may be short some stock, maybe not able to get something. I, I got an email the other day from a company that produces a nice hymnal that churches can use. And they were apologizing that they couldn't deliver these hymnals to a lot of places because of paper shortages from their primary supplier. And they are weeks, if not months, behind on filling orders. Now, now we've gotten so used to, in America, I want you to think about this for a second, we've gotten so used to a supply chain that works. I mean, for the most part, it normally does. How often do we have a shortage? But now we have a shortage of chips from overseas. That's another reason we shouldn't be so dependent on this world economy. We have no fallback. If something happens to one of our trading partners, or if we have a geopolitical storm with those people, like China, what happens to our chip supply? What happens to things that we're used to getting on a regular basis? In other words... I think one of the greatest mistakes the United States made and many other nations when the doors of China were opened or the Great Wall, shall we say, taken down or uh, a path blazed through by Richard Nixon may have not been the best thing we could have done. Because by the 1990s, China was getting very competitive, wanting to become the world's manufacturing center. And they've done pretty well in that regard. It's also made them incredibly wealthy Hey, we borrow money here in the United States from China. Does that tell you anything? So we've got a we have a geopolitical mess on our hands. We we have this situation in in the Ukraine. And and no matter what no matter what they try to tell you um here in the United States from the administration and the state department these people that are running our government are literally just unqualified. They're just unqualified. They don't know what they're doing. Everything they touch is just turning into a mess. 
and they, they, they're, they're probably happy to have the Ukrainian thing because it gets to cover up their shortcomings and everything else. See, they can blame the supply chain and the inflation on Ukraine. Like, what does Ukraine have to do with our supply chain, our food, and everything else here in the United States? It absolutely has nothing to do with it. And if we hadn't been so eager to shut down our energy independence in this country and toss it over to the Middle East and to Russia, by the way, we wouldn't be in the energy mess we are today either. Now, there's a lot of reasons behind all of this. Uh, geopolitically, there are a lot of strange things about Ukraine that a lot that I'm just beginning to fully understand. As many of you probably know, the failed Chernobyl nuclear power plant is located in the Ukraine. If you didn't know it, it, it is. I'm also learning something else. Uh, and I've been reading over the weekend and I'm trying to learn more about it. A lot of companies, a lot of United States companies too, had bioweapons uh, research facilities in the Ukraine. Now, if you didn't hear that the first time, let me say it again. I'm beginning to read articles, and some of this stuff goes back four, five, seven years or more, about companies having bioweapons research operations in, in Ukraine, in the Ukraine. Well, if somebody in, let's say, Mexico, you know, northern Mexico, was running a bioweapons research facility operated by a third-party government not related to the United States, how would you feel about it? Now, once again, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not going to get on to this uh, defend Putin uh, kind of thing. I'm not doing that at all. But I'm just pointing out some of the things that the talking heads at the intellectually, morally, and spiritually bankrupt and journalistically bankrupt CNN don't understand. They just clap their hands like kids. Oh, Biden is doing such a wonderful job. Biden is doing a terrible job. Biden is putting the world at great danger. And I'm beginning to understand, you know, once again, let's be honest. Since since the end of the Second World War, and really ramping up during Truman and then the administration of Dwight Eisenhower, who was president when I came along, and right into the 1960s under President Kennedy. We had this policy in the United States, and it continued uh, somewhat under Jimmy Carter, and then you know, kind of went, then it got strong again under Reagan. We had this policy when it came to the Soviet Union in particular at that time. The Cold War that started after the Second World War, when the Russian army, the Soviet army that had come in and conquered Germany, decided as they were falling back toward their homeland, Russia, they were keeping Poland. They were keeping Czechoslovakia. They kept the eastern half of Germany and a lot of other real estate. It's what they did following the war. And then when we found out that they had 
acquired atomic weapons. Well, then we got into the Cold War and the idea of mutually assured destruction. And that's been our doctrine since before I was born. That our bombs are as big as your bombs, and if you try to throw a bomb at us, we'll blow a bunch of bombs at you from multiple directions, and when the dust settles, nobody will win. We'll all be gone and dead. And that's pretty much that's pretty much how we operated all through the 50s and 60s and into the 70s and then the, even the 80s. And then we're ramping up even more artillery. You know, it was Dwight Eisenhower that made a very profound statement before he left office in 1961, in January of 1961. He said, beware the military-industrial complex. I'll say it again. Dwight Eisenhower said, beware the military-industrial complex. He was already seeing the danger. World War II, World War II did something both beneficial and also had a long-term negative effect. World War I, we really didn't build all that much in armament and we didn't have that great participation like we did in World War II. It was only for a brief period of time. And there, there weren't that many, quote, weapons of war, rifles and the earliest tanks and a few biplanes that were up there. I mean, really, we didn't have uh, the machinery of war that developed rapidly in a 20-year period following the First World War. And we built some stuff after the First World War, but we were woefully unprepared by the time December 7th, 1941 rolled around, 80 years ago, when the Japanese attacked at Pearl Harbor. And then we had to gear up. And what the United States did, and I want you to think about this, because all this, when I'm, I'm going to try to tie this to Ukraine and everything else, you're watching Canada the Great Reset World Economic Forum. We'll be talking about that on and off this week. There, there are things that I'm just trying to get out there for you to understand. But here's how we got to where we are today in pretty much the Western world, United States, Canada, Europe, you know, the NATO people and folk and and the CETA, uh, which is in the Southeast, you know, Asian part of the world because of after Japan. There are a lot of these treaties and a lot of these agreements that were made. And so when World War II came around, we had to mobilize quickly. And we we started drafting young men. And, and of course, because of the attack on Pearl Harbor, people like my father, as soon as they turned 17, were enlisting with parental permission to serve. I mean, people were lined up to to go into the Army or the Marines or the Navy, whatever. You know, they were out there being asked to join. And many did. My father joined the Marines. And we also started spending massive amounts of borrowed money. Let me just make sure you understood that word, borrowed money, to build airplanes, tanks, weapons of war, armor, armaments, you name it, training, uniforms, parachutes, everything everything needed 
for an army, including food and Lucky Strike cigarettes. I mean, all these things became, you know, priority items. You couldn't get too much gasoline. We needed it for the war effort. We needed to save rubber for tires. We needed uh, you to only buy certain foods. By the way, you want to know where margarine came from? Here's just a little side note. Margarine, it was invented as an uh, an airplane grease. It was white in color. It was an airplane grease, and they always teased it was edible. Well, after the war, they've been making all kinds of this stuff, uh, so they decided to add a little salt and yellow dye, and they called it margarine or oleo. You may remember that. Uh, that's where it came from. It's airplane grease. But but the world but World War II, a lot of companies, a lot of small companies became medium and then very large companies like Raytheon. And then you had radar, then you had communications and radios that came out. And you had all this technology. You had these great projects to build the atomic bomb. And by the time the Second World War was over, these massive companies, Douglas that built aircraft, Boeing, others, all these companies, all of a sudden the gravy train was gone. What are they going to do? I mean, you, you spent the last four years, roughly, uh, 1942, 43, 44, and a good chunk of 45, building massive weapon systems that suddenly we don't need. Hey, we'll have a Cold War, and we'll keep building this stuff forever. And I'm not saying if it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is what it is. This is how we got to where we are. These companies started building more and more weaponry, and which meant that the Russians on the other side, well, we have to do the same thing. And China, we have to do the same thing. And then, of course, you get into the Middle East and you have, we're supplying to Israel. And so now you got the Arab nations, well, we have to have this stuff too. You know, we, we have built this, this desire to own weaponry, and superiority. And it came out of World War II, and it is still with us 80-some-odd years, about 80 years later. We're still still making the weapons. We're still uh, selling to the government. We're, and I love how these contracts work for the government. You get a bid price, and then you throw the bid price away and just keep doing changes. And it doesn't matter what the bid is. You're going to get what you want anyway. And then we have a Congress and a Senate with no backbone. And and we have a military that just likes to get new toys. Now, I'm pro-military, don't get me wrong. But I'm saying this is the world today in which we live. And for all these years since World War II, we've been investing money all over Europe in bases, in armament, in readiness, in NATO. And there are a lot of issues with Ukraine. And like I say, the three things, and I'm not defending, you know, Vladimir Putin for invading the Ukraine, but I can kind of understand it, if that's a way to put it. Especially with the administration in Washington, D.C. right now. Who runs the House? The Democrats. Who leads the House? Nancy Pelosi. Who is the Democrat leader of the Senate? Chuck Schumer. Who are some of the most vocal Democrats 
during the Trump years uh, pointing out the alleged Russian collusion. Oh, people like Adam Schiff and many others. And Hillary Clinton. You remember Hillary Clinton? I want you to I want you to stop on this one. This is the beginning of understanding in Ukraine and Russia and all that's going on. This is a part of it. In 2016, a plan was hatched, as we now are beginning to see from a real investigation, that the Hillary Clinton campaign was putting together a fake dossier, bugging the Trump campaign and even ultimately into the White House after into 2017, trying to invent the lie of Russian collusion between the Trump campaign and Vladimir Putin. And you had people like Pelosi talking about Trump is just Putin's puppet or Putin's poodle, whatever. You remember all this silliness. And you had reprobates, disgusting, despicable, evil, lying reprobates that have no business being in Congress like Adam Schiff, by the way, that's the peop- he's the guy that the Clintons wanted in there in the early, 90- early 2000s, late 90s, just so you know. And-, and he was getting on television, getting on the Rachel Maddow show, you know, saying, I have seen the evidence, it's terrible, and Trump needs to be impeached and go to jail. It was all a lie, every bit of it. Now, why am I saying all this? Imagine if you're Vladimir Putin and you're sitting in Moscow and you've got these Democrats for four, actually five years going, Putin tried to steal the election and he colluded with Trump. (laughs) The evil Putin. And here's a case where he didn't do what they're accusing you of doing. No, you never colluded with Trump. If anything, Trump made your life miserable and kept you from going into the Ukraine to begin with and kept you from becoming an energy uh, powerhouse in terms of selling energy to Europe and other nations. In other words, Trump kept Putin in check. Now Putin, who's mad as all get out with Hillary Clinton lying about him and making stuff up and dossiers that didn't exist, and smearing him literally, Basically, Putin is just poking, you know, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi and all of them in the eyes, spitting in their eye going, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It's amazing if you're watching some of the things that CNN and I don't even think that Newsmax and, and Fox even are bringing out. There's always been this discussion to maybe including some of the breakaway republics and and nations that were part of the Soviet Union. Actually, Ukraine at one time was really a part of Russia long before the Soviet Union, but that's another story for another day and other places. You know, a lot of these little nations, you know, try to become instant nation-building democracies. By the way, the Ukraine is not really a democracy. I don't care what Nancy Pelosi says. That's silliness. It is, it's a corrupt, uh, government with elections it's just what they are i mean you have a lot of very wealthy people in the energy business Hmm, notice that energy keeps coming back into this equation in the energy business uh, 
in the Ukraine. And you have Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who spends a lot of time smoking crack and and doing horrible things on camera on his laptop. And we're supposed to believe everything is okay. And this guy was worth all that big money he was getting paid to sit on a board of a natural gas company in Ukraine. And so you look back at the Obama years when the Soviet Union annexed the Crimea region and what did we do? Nothing. Then Trump comes along and everything came to a a screeching halt for four years. And for four years, the Democrats were basically saying that, well, Trump and Putin colluded. Do, Do you see part of the problem? And then you have a lot of the Democrats for years said, hey, we got to get all these break these little republics as part of NATO now. Yeah, NATO. The North American Treaty Organization, I remember them. And I think they've long lived past their expiration date. They are now a political monster. And I don't know what purpose they're going to serve except cause instability and make companies like Raytheon and all the manufacturers of weapons even more wealthy. I, look, I'm not a, I'm not some kind of a dove here, you know, or I'm not a hawk either. I'm pragmatic. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. That we have a lot of money interest at play in all of this geopolitics. The Bible says that money is the well, the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. And boy, some of these companies and nations, including Russia, they are loving the idea of the money. China loves our money from all the merchandise they build. You know, blenders and toasters and and anything else we need. Television sets, computers, chips. Everybody loves making that money, including including our military-industrial complex here in the United States. Now, I know this is a long introduction, and I'm going to be getting onto this topic a bit on and off all week. And I, I just feel that I really need to share so much of this with you and give you a perspective you're never going to get from our regular news media. Honestly, I don't think that MSNBC has a clue of what's going on geopolitically. They, they just don't. Uh, they, they, just, they are just talking points for a particular political party. Uh, they're noise, words, and no substance. It's MSNBC. If you're, if, you're, if you're spending even a minute watching them, you're, you're damaging brain cells. CNN used to be, oh, I don't know, 40-some-odd years ago, a somewhat respectable news network. <laughs> now today, they're, they're talking points for Democrats, leftist, communist, socialist, and whatever. And anything that is uh, biblically unsound, they're, they're all for. If, it's, if it has a, a sexual, sexual connotation, they're into it, especially if it's deviant. That's what they are. And this is what runs our media, too much of our media. Well, I hope I didn't confuse you. I just wanted to give you just the beginning outline of why a Putin would be mad at Democrats and he smells the weakness of our incompetent leadership in the Congress, in the Senate. The majorities there are worthless and the White House and 
all the appointees in the State Department. He, he just feels empowered. I mean, what are these bozos going to do? I mean, this is Putin's perspective. They made fun of me and lied about me for five years. And I've sat over here. And then Joe comes into office. And the first thing he does, he allows me my big second pipeline to be, you know, the gasoline and natural gas czar. You know, I mean, I'll be the big boy. I'll be the, the supplier to all of Western Europe. Something we didn't allow to happen. But we did on day one. Shut down our pipeline, open up his. Scream about the sovereignty of the borders in Ukraine and ours on the southern border. I had a friend in Canada saying, I need to come to the United States. I said, first, why? But if you do, I said, just find your way to our southern border and you can come across and then they'll fly you anywhere you want to go. Yeah, we have a really messed up Western world. Now, I hope I didn't confuse you, but I, I want to take a break here. And if you believe in what we're doing, and I've got some, a couple of projects I'm working on, I'll share just in a moment. Can you help us with the airtime? We've pretty well got it covered for this month of March. But then again, we use the remainder of this month to prepare for April. And your gifts, large and small, always seem to come together before the end of the month, like we did coming to the end of February, a short month to make it through. If you believe in the work that we're doing, would you consider giving some financial support? You can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address during this time that we are in Florida is 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North. And then add the number 3248. Once again, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. And we are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That zip code again is 32536. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Your divine liturgy coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, in the book of Acts, it speaks in chapter 13 that they ministered to the Lord. They ministered to the Lord. Now, the Greek word there is liturgeo. We get the word liturgy from that. It means a, a public service or a, a function uh, of worship or obedience. It's the same Greek word used to speak of the ministry of the priests of the Old Testament. Thus, the function of the church is priestly. So in First Peter, it says that we are a royal priesthood. In Hebrew, the word is kohanim, the sons of Aaron. It's, it is for real. You see, you really are a priest. If you're born again, you are, it's not just that you are to minister but you're to minister as a priest. You have a priestly minister. You're not just a believer. You're a priest. It means whatever you do, you're to be doing it as a priest. The priests ministered with holiness. The kohanim, the priests ministered with great care. You need to do the same thing. The word liturgeo, the same word from which we get liturgy. You see, whatever you do, do it as liturgy. Do it as sacred as liturgy, even more so. Whatever you do, whether it's doing the dishes, whether it's taking out the garbage, or whether it's it's leading worship, 
Do it as worship to the Lord. You're taking out the garbage? Well, do it as liturgy, a holy act of worship to the Lord. You're working on the job? Do it as liturgy, holy act of worship. You're taking a walk? Worship to the Lord. You're counseling, you're encouraging, you're serving, whatever it is, do it as holy to the Lord. Live your daily life as if you were a priest. Live at home as if it were your temple. Carry yourself, live, talk like a priest, walk like a priest. Be holy to the Lord because in the new covenant, it's exactly what you are. Just like the priests of old, only more so. Ask for the priest separation. Now, hidden for 2,000 years, the awesome mystery of the temple doors, the free gift for you, and sapphires guaranteed to bless your socks off, help you become strong in the Lord. How do you get these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua. You dial it. So just call 1 800 Yeshua 1 to receive your free gifts. That but call now 1 800 Y E S H U A 1. I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. How? Through shortwave radio, you can blanket the earth, the farthest way of ever spreading the gospel. How to get part of this? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, walk like a priest. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah, HaKohen HaKadol, the high and mighty priest. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two our Monday edition of Truth to Ponder, last day of February in the year 2022. And for all those of you this past month that have that have contacted the program, supported us financially, I have to thank you. You make this program possible. Now, the, these weeks down here in Florida, I will tell you honestly, have been some of the most grueling on me physically I've had in a long time. And sometimes I have to record the program in advance or literally on the run. Uh, I'm traveling. I'm staying over in Okeechobee. I'm getting up early. I'm working on equipment. And I've had a few health issues along the way, but they seem to be tempering down right now. And some days doing the program is not as easy as it could be. But I really feel this need that the program needs to be done. There's so much that we we have to learn together. I mentioned, if you listen to the weekend program, I'm not one of those types to go into, ooh, this must be the mark of the beast, or this must be the end, or this. You know, I just look at it day to day, and, and I recognize that day of the end will come. There's no doubt in my mind. And all the events... As the Bible teaches, as Jesus said 2,000 years ago, all these various things must come to pass. And we lose sight of that. We keep looking for, oh, there's the sign. Then we get out and you can't do that. It's a very dangerous mindset. And, you know, I've watched ministries that got destroyed by trying to do that, by making predictions that never came true. And I just don't want to do that. there's some ministries out there to this day. I don't know how they're still around, but they got their start setting dates and predicting. You know, there's a guy that wrote a book back in the 1970s, late great planet earth. Well, every, everything that he was pointing out didn't happen. 
Another guy wrote a book, you know, the uh, 2000, Judgment 2000. You know, it's going to be the end of the world. Buy my book. Be ready because it's going to be that time that God will judge the world and Jesus will come. And those people are still around reinventing themselves. I don't want to ever have to reinvent myself. I'm just going to go stand on the word of God and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to accept it and realize that there are a lot of things that are happening in this world I don't fully understand. I can't do all the mechanics. I don't know if this is or is not the beginning of the end time. Looking over history, there have been a lot of similar patterns. But then again, the spirit of Antichrist is already here. I'm not going to talk anymore this segment on Ukraine. We'll get into that tomorrow. There's a lot of other geopolitical things. Like I said, you got the Chernobyl plant there. You've got uh, what apparently we're learning now is some <laughs> Western companies with uh, bioweapons facilities in Ukraine. And then you had people talking about making uh, the Ukraine part of NATO and moving our weaponry into Ukraine. So it's not all that it seems. I'm not, I'm not apologizing. I'm not giving an excuse. But these are other details that too much of the media just doesn't get or doesn't want to get. Now, let's get to the next phase, and all these things are interrelated. We'll take a moment here, and I'm going to just look north of the United States for a moment to our neighbor in Canada. And all that happened these last weeks with the trucker convoy and what he did, what what Justin Trudeau did in, in instituting literally martial law with their, you know, their special protection act, their emergencies act. And really, if you read the act, and it came out, I think, in like 1988, and it was designed uh, for the maximum of maximums. Uh, This was like the doomsday scenario where the Russian invaders are on the border somewhere. I don't know. But it was designed for something of that magnitude, not a bunch of protesting truckers in Ottawa. This was not the intent. This was, we are at war, and the enemy is at the door. That's what this was designed to be used for in the most extreme. But Justin Littleman Trudeau, graduate of the World Economic Forum Young Leaders, yes, he is. He's, he's, uh, he has been groomed, and he has been trained, and he has been brainwashed by the World Economic Forum's uh, Young Leadership Group like a lot of other people we'll get into in a minute here. And so Trudeau didn't like being challenged by truckers, so he pulled this. And even though he is, quote, okay, we're done with that now. No, they're not done. He is going to get his pound of flesh out of these truckers and anybody that supported them. He's going to be taking away their driver's license, confiscating their trucking rigs, going to put them he's going to starve them to death put them out of business he is going to crush anybody that disagrees with his communist ideology and i'm saying that justin trudeau has a communist ideology he is no friend of democracy he is no friend of a republic he is nothing but a nazi type communist but he looks cute in a sweater 
he's a handsome young man. But he believes in that great reset that the World Economic Forum believes in. And he believes that when it all comes to pass, when it all comes to pass, he'll be one of the elite. He'll be at the grown-ups table helping to rule the world as it ushers in a one-world government. That's the goal of the World Economic Forum, to, to steal the economies of all the countries, get them into a digital currency, get them into where people no longer can possess ownership of anything. And, and if you think I'm crazy, go to their own website. You don't even need to hear it from me. I have been to the wef.org website. I've seen their video or videos, many of them, and and all the things they brag about. I've noticed some things are disappearing, and thank the Lord I screenshot some stuff. But they, they believe that there is a group of elitists that must be put in charge of the world. Literally, they believe that. I'm not, this, I'm not making this stuff up. And they believe that there are too many of us on the planet. And they believe they need to know who is compliant and who's not compliant. Who can be trusted, who can't. And, and when they take over, look at what's happening in Canada. You know, we really, you know, we talk about a digital ID and a digital currency. We really do have that now, and you probably never thought about it. Where do you bank at? Do you have a debit card? Uh, do you have direct deposit from your employer or your Social Security check if you're an American or whatever your retirement is? Look at what Justin Trudeau just did to truckers. He froze their money in the bank. They can't get it. He's going to freeze them out. He's going to he's going to crush them. He's going to destroy them and break their spirit because he's a satanic communist. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you what Justin Trudeau is. He is not a believer in Jesus Christ. He's not a believer in the salvation that can be obtained. He is a globalist, elitist, communist, danger to the world with a cute face. He enacted an act never designed for anything like this. Now, but Bob, uh, the, the House of Commons, they, they all voted. Yeah, they did on party lines. You want to know why? And it was not by some massive vote, by the way. It was strictly party lines because the Liberal Party of Canada, if they had voted against this and, tr- and, and little Trudeau didn't get his way, it would force what's called a snap election. And the Liberal Party would lose power in Parliament. That's the only reason they, they voted to maintain it. If they knew that they could survive a snap election, and right now I think all things considered that some of the middle would be leaning toward the truckers and get rid of the mandates, and they'd be getting rid of the Liberal Party. So the only reason that in Canada, and I've asked my Canadian friends that know more than I do about the their nation and how their politics works, it was really that uh, most of those that voted for it did not want to, but they knew if they didn't, 
they would have instability and they would lose out to conservatives and it'd be like it'd be like Nancy Pelosi backing something that forces an instant election of the president and a new election in the House and the Senate and she'd be out of a job. So they they knew that if they allowed this it would be considered a vote of no confidence in the in the way they're structured. So I don't think that they did it because they wanted to, that most of them did it because they had a political reality staring them in the face like loss of their job. So you notice that within a few days of the declaration when Trudeau, you know, stomped down and sent the goon squad, if you're a policeman in Canada that participated in the goon squad, you're you're killing my my friendship and desire to help law enforcement. Because now you become part of the Gestapo. Your own constitution said what they were doing is legal, but you decided to go against the constitution and follow a little madman by the name of Trudeau. And all the liberals that can't stand to be challenged. You can't challenge what we say. What do you mean you don't believe in transgenderism? You're just a bigot. You're a homophobe. You must be one of those Christians (laughs) with their evil Bible. Canada is going down a dangerous path. And I'm not even sure, you know, Canada's not dead yet, but if things don't change, Canada is going through a terrible spiritual death. And and I don't know if it can be ever brought back to life. I'm, I'm, you know, I I know a lot of people, I've got friends in Canada, uh, they're patriotic, they love their nation, but they're also, they're also very terrified of what they just saw. And, and I'm telling you, um, some of these people, they're not going to take that American idea of my country right or wrong. They're saying my country right, <laughs> my family. Uh, Canada is led by a man who does things that are wrong, and he's wrong in doing so, so someone told me. I, I'm not sure if Canada is finished yet. Does Canada have hope? Hard to say. Europe is not just Europe. Europe is far is is not even Christian anymore for the most part. It's it's a land that happens to have some Christians left. Um, the culture of of Europe used to be have some more depth in Christianity. It's now secular and almost satanic. And what's happened in in Canada? I was talking to a church pastor last week that, that talks about you know the churches. Are, are not anything like they were 30 and 40 years ago. An extreme minority goes to church. And then, and so that's why the government felt so empowered to shut down churches. They're like, you know, they, they want to see how compliant churches are. And a few were not. Most were, but a few were not. So we see Canada, our neighbor to the north, supposedly another free land like the United States with a constitution similar and people that are kind and gentle. And now we see that it's run by a World Economic Forum graduate who's nothing but a little communist, who is nothing but a world wannabe dictator. He wants to be at the big boy's table and he doesn't care who he has to step on and destroy to get there. You know, it's funny. People that when they get to that point If you look over history, they lose their entire moral compass. They have none. They are so evil, they don't even recognize evil any longer. They don't. 
and you look at the World Economic Forum, you will own nothing and you will be happy, happy, happy. Because, see, you won't worry about money or food or anything. As long as you do as you're told, you'll have a place to live. You'll have the job that fits you the best. We'll, we'll decide what that job is. You'll have the housing that you need. And, and if we have you live in a city, there'll be plenty of public transportation to get you to your little job and back to your home and your little, you know, tavern and little restaurant that you're allowed to participate in. And we'll take care of your needs right down to your health needs. Yeah, Canada with your uh, free health care. This is what started. and you, you started surrendering once they took over your health care. You know, Hitler wanted to take over health care too. He wanted the Germans to have free health care. People forget that. And all communist nations want to control the health care. Then they can control the population. So I'm just telling you. That's, that's what's going on. And if you don't want to see it, that's to your own peril. We're going to be talking a lot about the World Economic Forum in the days ahead. We'll be talking as well about the fallout from what's going on in the Ukraine. And for this, you know, this invasion had things been done differently, oh, I don't know, over the past five, six, seven years, maybe more like 10 or 15 This never would have happened, but you had the perfect storm of the most incompetent president ever to occupy the Oval Office, a man of total insanity and weakness, with a vice president that's even worse, and a bunch of reprobates he appoints to take over important jobs, and then you spend five years insulting the man. He colluded with Trump. And now he smells your weakness, and he knows you're not going to do anything. Look, Europe's not going to do anything. They talk a good game about making NATO part of, um, part. you know, they, they talk about Ukraine being a part of NATO. It's not going to happen. And even a lot of the European nations, as they look at the sanctions, they don't want to sanction Moscow that hard, you understand. I mean, they, they don't. They, they still would like to get that cheap oil and gas out of, out of Russia, because the United States is not doing it anymore. We have a geopolitical mess on our hands. And we're going to have oil over 100 bucks a barrel. We're going to have the stock market over time seeing more and more losses. Lots of global economic challenges. Potential for significant loss of life. And the international community in total and absolute. It's, it's going to look Uh, they're in disarray and their attempts are going to be feeble oh they're going to have great rhetoric you know Putin should not have done this we need to stand they're not going to do anything Biden has a failed foreign policy team that set the table and they literally gave a engraved invitation to Vladimir Putin to go into Ukraine there's a lot of fault on both sides I get it I know that. I'm not I'm not excusing anybody. But what's happening in Eastern Europe never had to happen. But when you put incompetence and reprobates in big positions, you you get what you're going to get. And then people like Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, they've been working and working for decades after decade after decade to get influence into governments and parliaments and congresses and senates all over the world. Uh, 
prime minister's office and presidents and leaders and whatever. They've got their fingers into a lot of stuff. And they, they see a world that they really will remold in the image that they want. And I, I, I see the World Economic Forum as a vehicle bringing us, I will say this much, it does bring us one step closer rapidly to the return of Jesus Christ. Does it mean they're going to give us the mark of the beast? Was the vaccine the mark of the beast and all that? We, we, I heard a lot of people say that and you heard me say no. But it certainly gives you an idea of what it would start to look like. And look at how many people willingly complied without thinking twice. The beast of the Bible has not yet been revealed. Toward the end of the week, I'm going to bring on somebody to talk a little bit more about that because there's a lot of misunderstanding. Let me remind you of what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me say that again. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If you're in the United States or Canada or most of the Western world, there is no wisdom left in the men that run your country and women. And I'll remind you once again, as I've said before, if you are looking, if you're looking to 2022's election in November here in the United States, we're going to fix it. (laughs) You're a fool. You're a fool. You're going to be lied to and you're going to wake up and say, what happened? Like we said back in other years, what just happened here? You're being deceived, my friend. You know, I I have a lot in front of me. I'm going to get back. to. I've got some stories that will just kind of go behind it. I mean, I'm not going to repeat what they're telling you on the TV. There's no need to do that. I need to give you stuff you cannot get from anywhere else. And I also want to shuffle through the nonsense of some theological silliness out there. Uh, don't don't fall for it. The Bible says, you know, be discerning. We'll share more on that too. Let me put it this way. If you believe in the work that we're doing here, and, and by the way, I'll tell you a little bit more tomorrow. I'm not going to have time now, some of the projects, but we're getting close. We really need to ramp up shortwave. Time is short for people to listen and be prepared for the world we're about to enter. If you believe in our ministry and can help us financially for the airtime, would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Truth to Ponder, Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248-5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview, Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida, and the zip code 32536. That's 32536. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.